introduce our main speaker for this evening, Chris H. from Orange County. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. I want to thank you guys for asking me to come out and participate in my own recovery. You know, um, speaking from the podium is not always my favorite thing to do, and you know, uh, and I too get nervous coming up and, and talking in front of a bunch of people who are likely judging me and stuff. And it's okay, I'll judge you right back. Um, but, um, but I know that it's an honor and a privilege to be here because, um, you know, I, I've been able to stay sober a day at a time as a result of the things I've, I've learned here in Alcoholics Anonymous. My sobriety date is January 19th, 1996. I have a home group, and that's the Bellflower Big Book Group, and I have a sponsor in that group, and it's Karen G. And, um, you know, I always start with those things because, for me, those are really the cornerstone for me. They're, they're the reason why I've been able to stay from the very beginning. You know, I, this isn't my first time getting sober. I tried to get sober sometime in 95. And, um, and I thought you people were really sweet. You were so nice. Um, and I really wanted what you had. I just didn't want to do what you did. And so um, I kind of I had a, a different program. It was as Chris sees it. And, um, and so I kind of, um, you know, I, I went to meetings on occasion. And I, I got a sponsor. She suggested I call her every day. And I just, I just thought she needed to get more friends and not rely on me. And, um, and I didn't go to regular, I just didn't go to regular meetings. I just was busy. And I didn't take commitments. I didn't work steps. But I read the big book. I read the first 164 pages. And I was not impressed. I thought it was not as well written. And it wasn't as exciting as you people played it up to be. And so um, as a result, in my opinion, I um, was loaded by the following January. This was in August of 95. And so by Jan so I stayed dry for a little while. And, uh, and it was uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable. And so I, I had to surrender because I just couldn't, um, when I finally got to you, I just couldn't keep doing it my way. My life was an absolute tornado. And I knew it in 95 when I got to you. And, um, but I just had to keep trying. I don't know why. The insanity of alcoholism, I guess. And, um, but I want to share with you in a general way what, um, what I was like, what happened to me, and what I'm like today. And... Um, I was raised in Wilmington with my grandparents, Wilmington, California. It is a place. Um, it's, uh, people always say, oh, Wilmington, Delaware. I've never heard of it. I've never, I don't know where Wilmington, Delaware is. Wilmington, California is near San Pedro and Long Beach. It's in the LA, uh, the city of LA, LA Harbor. And I was raised with my grandparents and they were real, they're good people, good, hardworking, blue collar people who love me a lot. I grew up going to Catholic school, and I'm not one of those people that, you know, I'm recovering from my Catholic school experience. In fact, on the way here, we were talking about um, Catholicism and our relationship to it and, and what it means to us. And, you know, I'm not Catholic today, but I really, um, I, I love the experience I had. In fact, you know, my first drink was essentially with the nuns, um, kind of. <laughs> And that's a true story. I had my first drink when I was about 14, and I, I didn't have a, any pressing problems. I didn't have anything that I, I felt like I needed to drink over. I had my first drink as I was with a, a group of girlfriends, and we decided, well, I, I had a great idea, and that was to steal a case of beer from her brother, who was at the house with his buddies. So we stole the beer, and 
it was Miller. I love Miller. And uh, we were drinking our Miller, and, and I came up with a great idea, and that was to toilet paper the convent where the nuns live. And um, they were, like, I love those nuns. It was not malicious. It was all in fun. And so um, we stole all the toilet paper from her house. We went to the Pioneer Chicken, and we walked all the way to the convent. And, um, and we drank our beer all the way there. And, you know, I, I love the effect produced by alcohol. I love what alcohol does for me. It does for me, like there's nothing that, that gives me that same effect. Although being able to stay sober a day at a time, there's a lot of things that give me a different effect. But the benefit today to stay sober, new one, is that I don't have to regret my behavior as a result of like eating, well, no, I was going to say eating cake. That's a lie because I can eat a full sheet of cake all by myself and I will regret it. But it's not like alcohol. I won't get put in handcuffs for eating a whole sheet of cake. That's for sure. And um, unless I stole it, then they definitely don't like when you steal cake. Um, so, so uh, you know, I, I, I love that effect. And, you know, when, I, when I'm hanging out with my friends, I could really identify with Jenny, with a lot of what Jenny talked about. You know, um, like, you know, being around the Disney princesses and being Princess Fiona, I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like that. I felt like, um, I, you know, at 14, I had the, like my, I had a figure like a grown woman and all my friends were stick figures. And I, I didn't know how to handle that, you know, and I, and I didn't know, I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. I felt like people looked at me all the time. And when I took a drink, none of that mattered. Nothing mattered. Um, I have, um, like, big curly hair, and it was the 80s. And, you know, big hair was good, big curly hair. It had to be a certain big curly hair, and I didn't have that certain big curly hair. And um, it was just, uh, I, I was uncomfortable. But the minute I took a drink, all that went away, and I loved that. And it was all about, like, having fun. That, that's what drinking was for me. It was just about having fun, enjoying the party. And uh, I had no idea that it would turn on me none. So as we're toilet papering the convent, I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling a little clammy. I'm uneasy, very uncomfortable, and I feel like maybe I'm coming down with the flu. And because uh, I'm starting to feel dizzy. So I, I decide to rest my head on something cool. And I do, and I close my eyes, and I start to spin. The next thing I know, I start to vomit. The lights come on in the convent, the nuns come out, and um, you want to know that nuns don't like it when you vomit at the foot of the Blessed Mother. So, it's kind of this sacrilegious thing, I don't know. And, um, and so I was to experience consequences as a result of that, and I didn't mind. I thought it was kind of funny um, that I had to get in trouble and stuff, and, and uh, that wasn't anything that would deter me from a drink, ever. I had no idea that I were, what I would set off when I took that drink. I had no idea whatsoever. I had, I, if you would have told me, you know, by taking this drink, you're going to set off this thing called the phenomenon of craving. I would have said, you know, maybe you want to start writing science fiction. Because, really? Because I wouldn't have believed it. That just seems ridiculous. Um, but that's exactly what happened for me. And, and, you know, I was 14. It's not like I drank every day and I ended up in the gutter the next year, although I'm sure there's plenty of people in Alcoholics Anonymous that did that. That just wasn't my story. You know, um, I just drank as often as I could, and every time I drank, I drank as much as I could. I never once thought of having a glass of wine with dinner. I, I think that's such a waste of time. 
Um, I don't even get that. You know, we, we were at dinner, one, or we were at lunch the other day, and these, these women were sipping wine. And I was looking at the, I, I looked over and I thought, why bother? I mean, like, for what? What do you even, I don't even get it, but I don't need to get it. Um, and I never, I never aspired to have a normal drink. Never. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just look back, and if you would have told me that day that I took that first drink, you realize that, you know, within two years you're going to get shot in your own front yard. I wouldn't have believed you because I'm not that kind of girl. I come from good people, a good family. Um, but that's exactly what happened. I like hanging out with gang members, and I like being in the middle of things and getting myself involved in events. And uh, as a result, I got shot in my own front yard. If you would have said, you know, you, when you drink, your perception is going to get really twisted, and you're going to become argumentative. And as a result of that, you're going to get in lots of fistfights. And someday, someone is going to tie your feet behind a car and drag you down Pacific Avenue in San Pedro. I would have said, there's no way. I'm just not like that. I'm a nice girl from a nice family. I go to Catholic school. But new one, I want you to know that when I pick up a drink, I pick up that package. And that package usually involves things like the police, child protective services. It, it involves like the lack of trust from my family. My family, they just don't believe the things I say anymore. They don't necessarily want to be around me. People don't necessarily trust me. And, uh, and that's the life that I live when I'm drinking. I never intend for that, but it seems like it's continually chaos anytime I pick up a drink. It's insanity every time I pick up a drink, and, and no matter the level. You know, um, I was able, though, to... So I'm hanging out with this, these gang members, and they were a blast. I mean, had lots of fun. They didn't necessarily need to go to school, I guess, and so many of them didn't. And, and, and in Catholic school, you don't have the option of writing your own notes, you know. Um, and and, um, and I lived with my grandmother, and my grandmother was really kind of hardcore. You know, she would try and find me when I would take off and be with these gang members. And she didn't drive. She never drove. And she would take a taxi cab or take a bus and walk to look for me in these dope houses. And um, she would take her Dodger bat, and uh, she would go to these doors and knock and, and then say... Christina, come out, like, Christina, come outside. And it's a little embarrassing when you're trying to be cool and your granny is outside yelling your name. And, um, and so I obviously would go outside before she got herself into a situation. And, um, but that's not what I, I bargained for initially. I just, you know, I just wanted a few drinks. And, um, you know, by the time I was 18, I, I was getting married because I was pregnant. I had my first, I got, so I had my first child at 19, the next one at 20. And I married a guy that I had known for a long time. And um, I married him because he, he asked. And I just, I didn't want to be rude. I mean, what do you say? He's like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, are you sure? You know, maybe we can go to the movies. And he's like, no, the, this ring, I paid $100. Oh, wow. How nice. Um, and so, so we got married, and um, but he drank just like I did, and uh, he was violent just like I was. And there was a lot of insanity in, in our household. Um, we lived in an area of Wilmington called Ghost Town, and typically almost, I don't know how, almost anywhere in the country I go, if I say I lived in Ghost Town, I will see heads nodding. And I think, because that's where you get crack. And I'm thinking, seriously, you drive from San Diego all the way to Wilmington to get crack? And they're like, yeah, whatever. 
And, um, and so my husband was a salesman. And he sold... Um, and so that was his territory. You know, he had a, a region. He had the, uh, the eastern region of Wellington. And, um, and so as a result of that, like, you know, we were people who were like shot at um, Harbor Division would just pull us over or stop us um, in the alley right next to our house there was often dead bodies never bargained to live like this you know we lived in a place that had these great big rats I, I was a race like that I lived in a nice home I was a little girl that had the canopy bed with the pink bedspread full of dollies I had little holly hobby and baby alive and all these wonderful little dolls on my bed and um, but I didn't, I, you know, I didn't end up living like that, not when alcohol's involved. And it seemed to me like that, you know, there's obviously a problem in my life. And it was pretty clear. It was him. And if I just got rid of him, things would be a lot better. And so, um, so instead of letting him know, you know, that maybe we, we needed to end this, I just decided to move. And I figured he'd figure it out. And, um, but he's not, he's not really good with that sort of thing, you know. So he followed me home from work. And, and let me back up a little bit. I started, so I had gotten in trouble when I was a teenager with the law. And I had to do community service. Go figure. And, um, and as part of that community service, I was working across from a law firm. They ended up hiring me part-time to do some work for them. And so I had my, most of my career was spent in law firms. And, um, and in, in Wilmington, and so I worked at almost every law firm in Wilmington. And in Wilmington, sometimes I would, um, I was, I, I looked very different than I look today. I would um, wear dickies and wife beaters and, um, or jer- a big jersey. A Cowboys jersey, not a Cowboys fan. I could care less, but that was it was the look. I had my Nike Cortez on. I rarely said hello. It was always, what's up? And, um, and so I would, so I, but when I would go to the law firm, I would try to dress as professionally as I could. And sometimes I would, um, I wouldn't have time. If I'm partying with my homies, I'm not going to, I may not have time to change. So at least I show up. And sometimes the office manager would get really upset, and she would yell, and she'd say, you know, what are you doing coming to work dressed like that? What is the matter with you? Don't you know we have clients? And I don't like being confronted like that. I don't like when people talk to me like that. And um, because I was, I was like the hood rat of the office, I would say to her, um, what, you want to take this outside to handle it? And, um, but keep in mind uh, that when you're in Wilmington, the office manager's from Wilmington, because she may just say, yeah, let's do this. And um, so you got to just step it back a little. Oh, I just wanted to come to work, make sure I get stuff handled. And, um, and that was just the way that I lived. And so, you know, I worked at a law firm in Santa Ana, and my husband ended up following me home. And I lived in San Clemente. So when I ran away, I ran really far. But I guess he was okay to drive really far to follow me. And so in the middle of the night, he breaks into my house, my apartment, and um, I, I don't really like that. And so uh, I, I didn't want to let him know, hey, I'm displeased. I don't like when you break into my house. So um, I stabbed him. And, uh, and it was, I didn't try to murder him. It wasn't anything like that. It was like a, a flesh wound, no big deal. And he's, he's alive today. Um, and, uh, and so, so that's how I handled my problems. And, uh, and you know, I, I couldn't, if you would have told me at that time, I think there's a serious 
problem. I would have said, yeah, and that's why I'm getting rid of him. And I moved back to the Harbor area eventually, and I'm working in a law firm. And, you know, by this time, I'm, um, you know, I'm drinking pretty regularly. And keep in mind, I got sober for the first time when I was about 24, and I stayed when I was 25. And uh, 25 turning 26. And uh, so at 24, I'm drinking every day. And uh, it doesn't seem like a, a really bad thing. I, have no, I don't know when I crossed into that, that invisible line that we hear in Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't know when that happened where I, I needed a drink. I have no idea. It's so elusive. I, I sometimes look back at the way that I drank and the way that I had this relationship with alcohol and how important that relationship was to me. You know, I, I was harmful to my family. I hurt them. I, I, was a, I wasn't the best mom. My kids were easy to spot out on the playground. They were the little girls who, they went to Catholic school too, and their little uniforms were often on backwards or they were dirty. Their hair was unkempt. I never meant to be a bad mom. But you see, new one, alcohol comes first, and I didn't see that. I didn't see that the things I did were hurting the people around me. I just didn't see it. You know, it, the, the big book talks about we are... Like, we, we are selfish and self-centered. And I, I remember reading that and thinking, well, I certainly wasn't. I am definitely a giver. And because uh, I really didn't think I was. But I just didn't, it, it didn't matter to me that I was hurting my grandmother. You know, one time I had asked my grandmother to babysit for me. And I went, I told her I was going to just go to the pizza parlor and have a pitcher of beer. Just one pitcher. That's it. And uh, I get there and some friends come in and we start drinking and my friends invite me to go with them to buy some outside issues. And I say, I would love to. And uh, the next thing I know, we're in Mexico. And, um, and that wasn't necessarily the plan. And I'm partying in Mexico and having a great time. And because uh, it feels like it's just a hop, skip and a jump when you're getting ready to party. You know, well, here it is. But, you know, from L.A. County, it's not as close. And... Um, the next thing I know, a week goes by, and I meant to call. Not a joke, I meant to call. Two weeks go by, three weeks go by. And, you know, when, it's, I, when I think about calling, it's like 4 a.m. I know if I call at 4, she's going to be livid. So I, I'm going to wait till a more appropriate time. I never end up calling. I just go home, I show up, and I figure, I'll just pretend like I just left. And I'll just, hey, Granny, you know, like no big deal. And I... I go to open the screen door. She has one of those metal screen doors, and it doesn't open. So I knock on it because it was locked. And she comes to the door, and she looks at me, and she just shakes her head. And, you know, by the time I got to you, that shaking of the head, that look of disappointment, that absolute disgust is something that I knew so well from everyone around me. And I, too, was disappointed in myself. But, you know, once I take a drink, all bets are off. I can't really control it. You know, once I take a drink, I, I'm, I'm done when alcohol says I'm done. And, and I have this aspiration to, to really try to do the things I say I'm going to do, but it never seems to come off that way. And so she tells me I'm not taking my kids. She goes, I don't know where you've been and what you've been doing, but you're not taking the girls. And I, I really got overwhelmed with fear. And so uh, my best thinking told me to bust out her windows. And my granny's an old lady. So I take a towel and I bust out all of her front windows and I jump inside her house and I get nose to nose to her. And I let her know that she would really be sorry if she thought she would try and stop me from taking my kids. 
And this is the first time I ever recognized it. And mind you, I am hungover and so sick and coming down off a lot of stuff. And I'm looking at her telling her, old lady, do not F with me today. And, you know, when I get to Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm told that I have to make amends for people I had harmed. And I, I can't even imagine, how do you make that right? Uh, she, my grandmother had been held at gunpoint as a result of my behavior. But by telling her I was wrong for my behavior, Granny, you know, for doing these things, um, is there anything else you can think of? And what can I do to make this right? Not supposed to fix what I just did. And I just didn't believe you people because I couldn't imagine by just saying that, oh, we're all good. Nope, you're great. I know it's been years of wreckage, but you're good. Uh, years of pain, now you're good. And I just couldn't get it. I couldn't, I just didn't understand. And so uh, I, what I did was uh, I scared her to death and I got my kids and I took off and, and that was the day that my family and I were severed. And it was just me and the girls. And I'm working at a firm in downtown Long Beach at the time and, um, and as I'm getting older, I'm trying to be a little bit more responsible and do the things that I know I'm supposed to do. Like, you know, um, take my kids to school and make sure they're bathed, but I just can't seem to pull it all off. All the plans that I ever make from day to day, I can start in the morning with a firm resolution. But boy, the minute I take a drink, it's all done. I never, my plans never seem to come off. And, uh, and the way that I woke up in the morning at that time, it wasn't at to an alarm clock. It was to my kids who were three and four, four and five. And, um, they would say, um, Mommy, it's time for you to get up and take us to school. And they would bring me my juice. And my juice was usually vodka and whatever. Because by this time in the morning, I'd have this, like, uh, gnawing feeling in my gut, this heaviness in my chest. It was just, it was just really overwhelming. And the only thing, and life was really overwhelming. I just couldn't seem to, to do it. I felt like life was going by so quickly, and I just couldn't stop and enjoy it. I just couldn't, you know, do the things I needed to. Everything was flying by without me even, ha even having an opportunity to participate. And, um, but just taking that drink got my stomach to just calm down for a minute. It got my chest to just kind of, in my heart, to just beat normally so I can get up and I can get dressed and I can just take the kids to school and go to work. I had no idea that that was alcohol, uh, alcoholism. In fact, you know, I knew something was wrong with me and uh, I, I really didn't know what, it, what, what was going on. I, I, it couldn't be the alcohol because that worked. I mean, I have a stomach ache, I drink alcohol, I'm good. So that's not the alcohol that's the problem why do I have these stomach aches and so I went to the library we did not have the internet back then or at least I did not I'm sure some people may have and so I went to the library and I looked through all these books and I found that uh, I could possibly have this rare tapeworm because I had this huge capacity to drink I, I may have had uh, this rare brain tumor all of the things I had were very rare and um, <laughs> You know, I may have had throat cancer because once in a while I got really sick. and You know, all of this stuff, and I'm willing to believe that. But tell me, you know, Chris, I think you have alcoholism. No, no, that's, that's silly. I can't have that. Uh, no, it's a brain tumor. You know, I prefer the brain tumor, please. And um, insanity. And so I'm working with this lady who is um, who's a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I don't know it. She's just a really nice lady. 
and uh, the clients come in and she she says how can I help you and she's just so nice when I see her I think oh it's um it's really clear what's going on with her she must smoke weed every day and um, <laughs> because like why else be pleasant all day long and um and, you know, I've had my stint with weed, and certainly it made me happy for a long time until it didn't. And uh, it just stopped. I was just flat. It didn't do what it was supposed to, so I was able to get over it. I had my, my fair share of uh, fun with meth as well, and that was interesting. I got stuck in my car. I was, um, <laughs> I was in the back seat of my car looking for shoes, and I knew... It just struck me. I knew the police were out there looking for me. So I figured if I just lay down um, as flat as I could until they went away, then all would be good. And uh, it was like 7 the next morning when they finally went away. Started at like 9. Um, and, and, you know, that didn't teach me a lesson. I had a, another, I would walk into my home and I knew that somebody was stealing my things systematically to get back at me. And um, I had even gone to, I, when I went to the restroom, I noticed that the toilet seat was up. Clearly, I sit, I sit when I go potty, and that was not me. So obviously, the burglar who's stealing my things is also using the potty. And I, and I knew it. And um, But that was, and you know, I've never been like, I've never been one that's been into drugs. I hate that dope dealer customer relationship. I hate having to be nice to some sweaty guy who's trying to sell you something and you know, and he wants you to sit on his lap or whatever weird stuff. And I'm like, no, look, I gave you the money, give me my stuff, leave me alone. Liquor stores are so easy. The clerks, they don't care. And, uh, and if they say anything weird, like another one, you just let them know. Shut the F up, all right? And they're like, fine, because they have to work there, you know? And, um, and it's just, so alcohol is such a better deal for an alcoholic of my type than the whole drugs thing. And, um, you know, it was just a pandemonium, though. But um, so the, my coworker's name was Cindy, and she, one day she asked me to go to the storage closet for her. And I go to the storage closet and notice at the end of her keychain was a chip. And um, I, I, it was a, there was a camel on it. And so I assumed she was a smoker, um, camel. And she said, no, I'm a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and immediately I thought, oh, how sad. Like, so, like, you, you just, like, you never, you don't drink. And she said, I just don't drink a day at a time. And I thought, wow. And I asked her, what, this is... Uh, a July, I think. I said, what do you do for Christmas and New Year's? Because I'm like appalled that somebody would like actually do this to themselves. And um, she said, you know, I just don't drink a day at a time. And I get to live happy, joyous, and free. And I thought, yeah, right. Oh, so sad. And she said to me, you know, you should check out this meeting on 3rd and Miramar. I think you'd really like it. It's a women's meeting. And there's a lot of really great people who go there. And immediately I thought, how rude. Just because you're an alcoholic does not mean that I am an alcoholic. And so I wasn't going to go to that meeting. I mean, I'm not an alcoholic. That's just pitiful. And so I had a friend, though, and my friend stole booze. That's pretty hardcore and desperate. Like, if you've got to steal it, you know? And um, I would just write, like, that's when you could write checks to the grocery store. I'd write bad checks, but I don't steal it. It's nasty. And so I would, um, uh, 
so I have, because my friend stole it, I figured I'd go with her to a, a meeting and hopefully she'd get the help she needs. And so I, I go to this meeting and I am listening to some of the women share. And this woman named Dodie G shared, and Dodie is from Wilmington. And, uh, and I paid attention, and she talked about having two boys, and I had two girls. And I figured maybe I'll get some help with raising my kids because I'm not doing too great. You know, when I was telling you about the way that I behave with my grandmother, the way I raised my kids, you know, I'd never intended to live like that. It's not personal, and I know that. You know, my relationship with alcohol has nothing to do with you if I hurt you. It's because nothing comes between me and that drink, period. I really don't care and I do care. I don't want you to be sad. I don't want you to be angry with me. I don't want you to be upset. But I, I really don't have control. I don't know that. But it's just me and that drink, period. And, uh, and so I never set out to be a bad mom or a bad daughter or a bad wife or any of that. But that's what I end up doing when I, become, when I start drinking. And um, so I'm at this meeting and I hear Dodie and, and I could identify and like I mentioned earlier, I really wanted what you had, but I just didn't want to do what you did. And, uh, and so I didn't, and I got loaded. And, you know, that I drank for one night. I really wish that I would have, like, robbed a bank, did something really good to tell you, like, a really good story. But it was, it was really boring. Um, a friend invited me to a birthday party, and I tell her, I, I don't drink today. And she said, well, so what? She's not an alcoholic of my type. It doesn't matter to her. And I said, yeah, that's right. Well, so what? I'm just going to go and because the, the party was in a bar. So I go and I'm having a great time. And it doesn't bother me to watch other people drink. I don't really care. And uh, someone offers me a drink immediately. I had no defense against that first drink, none. And I didn't even, and I had heard those words in the meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, but it didn't necessarily mean anything to me. And so um, I thought, you know, I must, I know that I was really hasty when I thought I was an alcoholic and going to those meetings. I mean, what is one drink? Uh, it's liquid, really powerless. And I thought, if I have three, just three, and then I stop there, I should be good. And mind you, when I've had these thoughts before, I, you know, I, I, my favorite job ever was a job that I, I worked in uh, a law firm in San Pedro. My boss was fantastic. I had no health insurance, no 401k, no paid time off, none of that stuff. But he bought me like a Costco-sized bottle of rum every day. I mean, every week. And I got to drink while I'm working. I mean, my God, that's like the perfect job for an alcoholic of my type. And uh, I don't need health insurance, just just bring the rum. And... Um, and one day, and, and this boss one day asked me to go fill his tank with gas, and, uh, and so I do. And I had been drinking most of the day. Most of the time, if I'm drinking all day and I drive, I'm a much better driver because I'm cautious. Um, but, you know, I was at the gas. They must have put in these brand-new yellow cones because I never saw them before, but they were made of concrete, you know, to keep you from... And, um, <laughs> Next thing I know, he has this permanent yellow streak across the side of his brand new Jag, and um, I know. So I just parked it. I parked it across the street because I didn't want him to get worried. He had a place to go in L.A., and I'll tell him later. So I parked it across the street, and he gets in his car, doesn't think anything of it, and he comes back from L.A. the next day, and he said, "Did you see my car? Did you see that big?" 
dent and yellow streak? And I said, I did. And I told you not to drink and drive because he drank just like I did. And he said, he said, he said, I know, I know. And, um, you know, and that's, that's kind of the way I drank. And, uh, so I don't know where, where was I in my story about, uh, the what? The yellow streak. Yes. So, so, um, so I, I heard, I go to this, um, this party though. And, um, and I have the three drinks. So I remember the three. That's all that I remember. And the next thing I know, I come to at this really quaint establishment. It's called the Catalina Inn. It sounds super quaint, but what it really is, it's, it's, um, it's one of those pay by the hour for the more frugal folks. It's on Hooker Row on PCH near Redondo in Long Beach. And uh, I'm sure it had the same carpet that was laid in 1927 when it was built and never cleaned. And I am on the ground, on the floor, and I am, you know, I'm out of answers. I'm, this is the first time it had happened to me, and I'm praying that it's the last. Uh, my mind was perfectly clear and... Uh, and my body wouldn't function. I drank, I, I drank way too much, and I wasn't even sick. I just couldn't even get up. And, uh, and so I was able to eventually get up and go and call that woman that I had asked to sponsor me, that, the woman I thought was pitiful. And, uh, and she asked me a question that was really pitiful, uh, pivotal. She said, uh, are you absolutely willing to do whatever it takes to stay sober today? And I said, yes, ma'am. And, you know, I started working steps with her. I started, and, and not... Like I was excited to do it. You know, not that I was really enthusiastic. Eventually I was. And I think for an alcoholic of my type, I have to be excited about the things that happen in Alcoholics Anonymous. In Alcoholics Anonymous, the impossible happens. You know, and it's, and it's crazy to me to see some of the things. The, the impossible becomes possible. If you stay here long enough and you do what we do. If you, you know, take direction of a sponsor. Stop listening to yourself. Stop taking your own advice. Work steps. Make amends. Have commitments and do the things that you see others, other people doing. Other people that live happy, joyous, and free. And not that we don't have problems. You know, right now, my daughter is in the hospital in, um, in placentia she has a seizure disorder and a few days ago she my, my daughter was homeless for a couple years um she was a meth addict and, and an alcoholic i believe and uh about two days ago she did meth and she has the seizure disorder and she she is non-responsive she lays in the hospital bed and you can't wake her up no matter what she can maybe once in a while utter a couple words and i don't know what's going to happen to her and uh, and I've I've had to learn that I'm powerless over alcohol, no matter who's drinking it. And uh, and I read in the doctor's opinion just last, last night at my sponsorship meeting, it talks about alcohol in any form. And I look at my daughter laying in this hospital bed, and you know what? I think about my life today, and I've never had it so good. You know, I um, I get to stay in San Diego tonight at Rancho Santa Fe in this amazing uh, hotel. So. I've been up all night. Um, we, I get, I get her to the emergency room at like two in the morning, and I was, I've just been up all night, and I just need to sleep. And I get an opportunity to stay in a beautiful place, and I get an opportunity to be surrounded by sober alcoholics who are doing the deal, and I get an opportunity to say no to a drink if it comes my way tonight, and I am truly blessed. You know, I've been well overpaid. My life has been absolutely amazing here. I've been able to, as a result, so 
I'm the hood rat from Wilmington. I, and typically the people from my town, they don't go too far out of that town. You know, um, people will work on the waterfront and they'll buy a house in Wilmington or buy a house in San Pedro. And that's when you know you made it really big when you live in San Pedro. Um, you know, I, I've been able to travel the world. Last year I was in Cuba. I was in Myanmar, in Thailand. I've been everywhere. I've, um, you know, I have, I own my own company and I'm starting a new company. And, you know, I get to work with billionaires who trust me um, to help them with their situations. I, I have an amazing life today. I'm in a relationship with an incredible person and it's just beyond my wildest dreams. You know, you can Google my name and there's articles written about me, one of which called Compassion Comes First for Christina Hernandez. I've been named a phenomenal woman of the year. I've been named a remarkable woman by Senator Lou Correa. And that doesn't happen for hood rats like me from Wilmington. But when I'm in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm doing what you do, anything is possible. So thank you so much for my life. Thank you.